What is going on, Fantasy Alarm family? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam, and it is another edition of the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com, the family meetup, summit, reunion, whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about what's going on in the world of sports. Gentlemen, how are you? I don't think it's a busy time or anything like that. What up, Selzy? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, you know, just prepping for another NASCAR F1 doubleheader weekend. So that's How's my little William Byron doing? He's good, actually. The Vegas books might have him as one of the favorites to win this weekend. So we'll we'll talk about that. If you catch if this is up by Thursday, you'll catch me Thursday night on alarm after hours. Um I promise not to miss the spot this time there. Oh, see, so you didn't have to say that. See, Hallam, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> He didn't um, have to say that. I know. He told me before you came on, too. So it's, it's you know, he feels bad. Yeah, I know he feels bad and things happen. But I, right. I understand. But I believe in him. I believe in him. Now, if it happens again, you know, you well, know. By the way, I have the hardware to prove that you should believe in me, too, because I just got. I know. I believe in you and you can beat my ass with that hardware. You see that thing? That thing's like a weapon that you got. It's also very pointy on one end, which probably wouldn't feel great. Hey. Uh, I don't even know where to transition from there. So instead, Ryan, what's going on, man? Are you a Paul Goldschmidt guy? I'm also pointy on one end and a Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> fan. Um, yeah, I'm more of a Nolan Arenado fan who is just off to the most amazing start. And I want to thank the Colorado Rockies again for that completely awful trade for them that they'll probably never get out from under. Yeah, cards are uh, off to a pretty decent start. Gold, I have a throwback old Goldie jersey around here somewhere. So, yeah, the, he's, he's always a guy I actually really liked in Arizona. I know he hasn't quite been the player for us that he was for Arizona. But, yeah, definitely a, a big fan of our corner infielders. You were mentioning Nolan Arenado, 14 RBIs on the year, hitting 368. And you just have to love that. And, and broke the scoreless tie in Wednesday's game in the, in the ninth inning with a two-run shot. Sure did. Clutch City. But you know who else has been awesome to start the year? You mentioned Coors Field and everything. You mentioned Colorado, the Rockies. And you've got C.J. Crone, who is at the top of the leaderboard. And he's got six homers, league-leading six homers. And was discussing this before, being with first base. Do you think, either one of you, there's a chance that throughout the year he could remain a top-five fantasy first baseman? What do you think, Sells? Well, I, you know, since he signed with Colorado last year, his ranks in all of the statistical categories put him either inside the top five or no worse than seventh in terms of batting average, WOBA, weighted runs created plus, expected batting average, stuff like that. So he's been very, very good for a year plus now. I think we all expected it in Colorado, um, given his skill set. Um, let's face it, defense at first base doesn't necessarily matter that much. So even though the guy's an average to maybe below average defensive first baseman, the bat plays in cores, and that's all the Rockies care about. So, yeah, I think I don't think there's really any doubt that he can remain close to, if not in the top five among first basemen. Yeah, and Colorado's not going anywhere either, so it's not like if he blows a play at first base, it's going to have <laughs> that much right. infection in the standing. So, yeah, I'm sure they'd rather just see him hit 35 bombs and put a few butts in the seats and uh, make every pick being thrown across the diamond. We're at a very interesting point in the fantasy baseball season because we're all still very excited. It's kind of like being in a honeymoon stage of a relationship. You, all you want to do is do it. 
You want to just see all the action, get all the action, and especially with baseball just coming back. Yes, we're all very hot for it. We're all fans anyway, so we're going to remain big-time supporters throughout. But the thing is, sometimes with that excitement comes anxiousness, comes eagerness, and comes making mistakes, unwarranted mistakes, trading players who have started off pretty poorly after especially starting pitchers. Stats can be deceiving in the early going. We're talking about a single handful of starts for, what, the first month maybe. That's really not a lot. And a lot of that focus right now is going to be going on trading. And I love the concept of trading more than actually trading in fantasy sports. And I get how excited trading makes people. I understand that it's the, this is just my opinion on it. When it comes to fantasy sports, trading is the second most exciting, exhilarating part of fantasy sports behind drafting. And when that happens, it clouds your judgment. And I don't want to make trades. I don't like making trades. I have to trade out of need. I have to trade and likely I'm going to start losing out on depth at another position that before you know it, I lose one guy and now I'm screwed and I have a leak in that part of the boat of my team and foundation. I don't like to have to trade. Sometimes you just have to do it because you and a league mate match up so well. But guys, when it comes to this early in the season, I always am so fearful that our audience will get too underwhelmed and too emotional about their teams that they'll undersell someone like Garrett Cole. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I'm not a big trader. Sorry, Matt. Uh, to be honest, I, I really probably have to have a need to try to look like, like I have a league now. I, I get a pretty good extended period. Um, but I know I'm short on pitching. And I know I've been shorting on pitching for probably a week. And I haven't taken the time to – I've definitely searched the free agent wire, but I haven't started going through everyone's team to try to – trading is exhausting for me. Like, it's – I think – I don't know that I've done this for so long that there's so many people out there that are just not looking to trade unless they seriously get the better end that I've kind of come jaded to trading. But I certainly am waiver wire first unless, you know, like this league, I really am in dire need of a pitcher, so – yeah, um, you know, I've been hit up quite a lot in our in our Discord channels there about trading, and I don't have a problem answering the questions. Um, keep them coming. I really it's don't. Kind of your job. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> and I'm a baseball guy, so you know, I get tagged in a lot of them, which is fine. Again, that's what we're here for. But I will caution you that I am a much more conservative baseball player than I think a lot of people probably understand. So unless a trade is wowing me or there's an absolute need, I'm a lot more on the I'm going to hold and let this play out. Perfect example, you said Garrett Cole. Somebody in Discord earlier asked me if they should trade Kershaw and somebody else to get Garrett Cole because they perceived Cole to be an upgrade. I'm like, I'm not sure that that's the biggest upgrade you think it is, especially if you have to give up another guy, right? Because... If you make a two-for-one, you now have to factor in the replacement-level guy who's going to take the spot of the second guy you tossed in there, right? So, yeah, can you make the argument that by the end of the season, Cole is probably the better get than Kershaw? Sure. 
I presume. But what happens if Kershaw stays healthy, right? We all took him out of the perfect game to keep him healthy. So let's play this out. If he stays healthy and he throws 180 innings, are we doubting that Kershaw's ERA would be better? I don't think so. I think his ERA would be a lot better than Cole's. Are we suggesting his strikeout rate would be that far off? I don't think so. Um, so, you know, just trading to just get a name that you missed out on drafting isn't the point of trading. The point of trading is to improve your team in a spot where you're weak and you're not going to win every trade. In fact, if you're winning every trade, you're not going to get to trade very much because nobody's going to trade with you. Um, so, you know, and, and dynasty trades, if you have dynasty questions, go ahead and hit me up on discord too. I answered those in, you know, some folks message me about those because I'm in a couple of dynasty leagues. Those get a little trickier because you do have to weigh years in the future. Um, and I actually just traded Jacob DeGrom in a dynasty league this week. Um, so ask me anything, right? Isn't that how it goes? I traded DeGrom, ask me anything. Isn't that what they put on Twitter <laughs> these days? So that that's my view on trading is I'm more conservative. Like I'm drafting these guys for a reason, not to give up on them this early in the season. Here's the thing with trading for me. And, and to quote the movie Boiler Room, for a second when it comes to getting trade offers i will entertain trade offers but don't waste my effing time there are two kinds of opening offers that you get an opening offer that's well thought out here's how working with me will help your team fulfill a need even though you might be giving a player who's a bit more productive at another position but Let's work together. Here's an offer that seems pretty even to me. What do you think? Versus getting that stupid low ball offer that you know there's no chance in hell that you're going to accept. But it's just an opening offer. Let's start somewhere. Get the conversation going. I don't want to work with you. The opening offer is my least favorite thing in fantasy sports. I hate those people. They really need to go away. It's not getting the conversation started. You know what? If you send me that, the conversation's over. Because right. if that's where you want to start, then, then let's – yeah, I'm with you. Don't, I'm not doing the dance. My least favorite is the used car salesman. Well, the guys I'm trading you are awesome, and the ones that I'm taking from you suck, and this is why. Then why are you offering the trade, ass? Don't lie to me on top of it and try to make it out like the guys I'm trading away are, are so good, and the guy you're giving me is, is – yeah. Like, don't sell me, you know, not a kiosk at the mall. I know, you know, I know what's going on. Uh, just, yeah, you get the one, look at what the other team, look at what you have and find a match. Don't, uh, the, yes, I'm so with you. The low ball I don't guys have that time. I'm not no. trying to be a snob. I don't have that kind of energy when it comes to the team to all of a sudden, because here's the deal. You're making me do the work because you're goading me. You're trapping me at the end of the day. You're making me come up with a fair offer and you were the one that showed interest. Bullshit. You're going to do the work. You're not going to be a lazy, stupid ass millennial. You're going to do the extra work. <laughs> you're going to dig. And you know what? When you dig, you're going to find a player that will match my player, even though it might be I'm giving up a little bit more. If I'm fulfilling a need, fine. But don't waste my effing time with a stupid lowball offer and then having me to go to your stupid team and have to check it out and try to come up with a fair offer. You showed the interest. Do the research. And let's do some business. 
Yeah. Another reason to hate millennials. They offer terrible fantasy. No, 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 no. I, I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. You know that. I know. A couple of there. One, I'm with Hallam. We actually kicked a guy out of the league, um, out of my home baseball league, for doing just that. He would offer you all of his throwaway pieces for, like, three of your stud pieces, and then he would send you this long-winded email about, oh, your guys are going to crash because they always do in the second half, and then this prospect's coming up, so he's going to lose playing time, and my guys are all of a sudden going to overdo anything they've ever done in their career to make this a balanced deal. And we basically just had enough and kicked them out of the, the league for it. Two, if I get a low ball offer... I just click reject. I don't even send a message back. I just click reject. And if they message me like, hey, did you get the trade? Yeah, it sucked. I clicked reject. Go find a better one. Like, I don't waste my time. Like, if they show interest and you click reject, odds are they'll come back and try to change things, right? If they really want a guy, they will do the work after you click reject. I'm well, not well, wasting well, what time. Would make the, well, then, if you don't like it, what would make the offer fair? That's the trap. Don't fall in. Yes, yeah, I don't. And you're gonna. Here's go what I do when they message me that. I say you figure it out. There you go. Back you're, in the day, you I used the to guy send so him. bad. You do the groundwork to do it. I've yes, I'm. I work in sports. You're trying to pull one over on me. Whatever. I've got a bazillion things on my plate to do. I don't have time to go dig through your roster. If you want a guy so bad, either find one that you like on the waiver wire or. Look through my roster and find a fair deal. There are plenty of ways to double-check online if you think this is a fair deal. All sorts of stuff. Like, it's not that hard. I'm not wasting my time. I'm just going to click reject. Don't even message the person back. Back in the day, I used to send an equally bad trade back, but I don't even have. I don't even do that anymore. Yeah, I've, it's not. I graduated past that. Yeah, because you know what? It's not good business, and it shows me that you don't want to make a fair deal. You don't even want to do it. You don't even want to come up with the fair deal. You want me to come up with the fair deal. Oh, Sells. Sells is a baseball nerd. He'll just look at my team and figure it out in his brain, and he'll do all the work. Sells will do it. No, Sells won't do it. You want to make the offer. You're showing interest. You do the work. I mean, I've done it in my head, but I'm not going to actually do the, <laughs> the work to click the button. Right, right. Right? Like, and that's, I mean, look, a trade went down in my Dynasty League. I offered first. I thought it was a reasonable deal. He countered back with, hey, it's going to take one of these guys. Then he made that deal, which was a reasonably fair deal and involved a guy I did not want to give up. So what what did I do? I countered with basically the same pieces, except I swapped uh, one guy out for another guy that I didn't necessarily want to give up, but I was kind of tired of waiting on to show up. So, you know, it was a, it was a fairly evenly matched deal from the get-go and we just swap some pieces that's the ideal trade start with an even one if they don't like it then maybe they're not up for trading something else we got to talk about regarding trading and that's the whole winning the deal concept winning the deal does not necessarily mean you get the best player there can actually be more than one winner in a deal there's, this is not a win or lose. You want, ideally, both teams to win. That's how you make a deal, and that's going to make me want to do business with you once again in the future. 
Again, I'm someone that doesn't like trading. You're going to have to sell me big time on it. And you all out there shouldn't be so open to trading either just because it's fun, okay? It's not fun. It's because your team's got problems and that you need to address it. But this whole winning the deal and I need to win the deal, I must win the deal and never, ever give up the best player. Well, if you have a surplus of depth and your second best outfielder, let's say, is actually a top 10 outfielder, but you also have two other outfielders that are in the top 20, top 15 of the position, then you know what? To address a need in the infield, you're pitching whatever, then maybe you do give up the... Oh, did we lose Fensty? Maybe, but I'll agree with him. Uh, yeah, sometimes making your team better... Uh, can be the better end of the deal, even if necessarily maybe you do give up a little bit much. Maybe your team is better off and more balanced if you have, you know, a player, let's say that's, you know, two guys who are nine out of 10, but, you know, your second baseman is four out of 10. You trade one of those outfielders for, uh, you know, a second baseman who's also like seven out of 10, then you, you improve your team, even though maybe you gave up a little, uh, more than you had to. So uh, I'm, I'm with him there. I like the concept. He's right as far as I'm concerned that, you know, you don't always have to – I don't often like to give up the best player in the deal. That's usually kind of – I don't like to do two for, you know, two for ones and get the two. I generally try to get the one because I feel like I can work the waiver wire and make up the difference. But, you know, in in some cases I agree with what he had to say. Yeah, um, I'll agree with that too. If you want to win the deal, go play MLB The Show. Right, like go play video games. If you want an all-star roster outside of playing in 10-team leagues, uh, go play video games and compile all-star rosters. In fantasy, that's not going to happen. Um, and like I said earlier, if you constantly have to win the deal, then nobody's going to trade with you because everybody's going to figure out they're getting the raw end of that deal. Um, and, you know, not make it, you know, just not make future deals with you. And if you look at how actual baseball works, everybody says, oh, you know, the Rays almost always win the deals. Well, what do they do? They get guys that fit their team, right? It's not necessarily stud dudes, right? They traded away Austin Meadows. Do they seem to be missing him offensively? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, and they traded him away for a piece that they wanted and needed, and Detroit took him. He's, you know, been solid for them when he's not hitting against lefties. And that's how they do it. Same thing with the Dodgers. We'll leave the trade discussion for now. I think we covered just about everything you can regarding making a trade, but hey, don't be too aggressive too early. We're still accumulating stats at this point in the MLB. Now as sport guys, that's about to pick up with the NFL draft being next week and we've got a lot of coverage upcoming on the sites including from our boy Dan Servodidio who covers college sports for us on Fantasy Alarm and DFS Alarm but looking at what's going on pre-draft a few wide receivers seeming like they want to hold out and the latest here with Debo Samuel I mean Ryan you are a 49ers fan it seems like there's a bit of a disconnect between the 49ers brass and Debo Samuel. And if there needs to be a trade, my Jets are ready, baby. Send them over. We'll give you picks. 
Yeah, it would make sense. You have picks, you have money, you have our old offensive coordinator, you have our old defensive coordinator, but I still think this is negotiations. Uh, I still expect him to be back with the team. Uh, the funny thing yesterday was like it came out that it wasn't about money, it was about his usage. Uh, but Debo, you are so valuable right now because of your usage. So if you go somewhere else, they're going to use you the same way. So I, that, that didn't seem to make sense to me. I mean, there's, I mean, obviously Tyreek Hill, it worked out differently. They ended up trading him, but I don't know. I don't see it happen, and I still think that they, they'll end up signing him to a big deal and he'll be on the team. It looks like Matt disagrees. Um, I mean, I'm going to take the guy at his word that it's not about the money. Well, Aaron Rodgers was, I think, the same thing, and we saw it was about money. Well, with Aaron Rodgers, he's been pissed. He's been pissed with the organization for what five years, and he just signed another what four year contract. So I don't know. He's always taking it. Was always about money, right? Like you could always just kind of read between the lines that his ego gets in the way of everything, right? I don't think that's the case. This is his first contract, so we don't know with him yet. I guess we'll find out. And if you know what, and somebody, everyone's asking me, "Oh, are you pissed? Are you nervous?" What am I going to do? If he goes somewhere else, it's not like I'm going to stop liking the team. I'm going to wait until the news drops, and then I'll you know, react then. I'm not going to be pissed now. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's an interesting dynamic that, like, what makes him everybody's favorite wide receiver right now is the fact that he can do everything. But if he doesn't want to do everything, then he, you know, he's less valuable, right? I get that that argument quite a lot. Um and somebody tried to smother him with, like, well, he had 12 drops last year. Okay, but are you taking into oh, account oh, how oh, on target oh, oh. the passes were? Because, like, if if I have to catch it and I'm leaping six feet in the air to do it, am I getting hammered with the drop, or is Jimmy G or Trey Lance getting hammered with the fact that they put it way over my head and I attempted for it, right? Because then the next thing is, if he doesn't attempt to catch it, then you all go, well, he's not attempting to catch these passes. Like, how but. So it's like a lose-lose-lose situation for for him no matter what. But the fact that he got death threats for this, this is ridiculous. Come on, people. Yeah, Like, it's sports. This guy's a human being. I understand you can be bummed about a top-notch player leaving your team, but let's not be stupid. Come on. Like, that's just... Everyone's got a comment. Everyone's got an opinion on this thing. And I've been even seeing Le'Veon Bell go on on Twitter about it to it. Bro, Le'Veon Bell had the least successful holdout probably in the history of sports. If well, I he got paid. So in his mind, it was successful, right? Because he got he got money. But then he wound up on three different teams and supposedly he's not the problem, but everybody else is, right? Like, right. is that the thing with Bell? You got that Antonio Brown syndrome. Yeah. Right. It'll be, by the way, I know I brought up the Jets. It'll be very interesting them with two top 10 picks if they're going to go after a wide receiver. And I spoke with Dan Servodidio last night on Alarm After Hours about this. And it got me excited because when it, the Jets can definitely use some help in that area and, you know, even help not on their side in the receiving front. And as well, I mean, I'm thinking maybe London might be that match. I would be fine with that. But getting some offensive help would be very good for Zach Wilson and starting to build on youth, too. I mean, that's something rather than going to acquire someone huge. However, Debo Samuel becomes available. I'll take it, man. He's only his third year, so he's not, you know, he's about 25, 26 years old. So he's not exactly, you know, a grizzled veteran. This is his coming no, at the end of his first contract. He's not the healthiest when you were looking at his history. No, true. I mean, but who is in the NFL? You're right, and like, that wouldn't stop me from wanting to acquire him. And 
as a Jets fan. Remember, this is the team that's had the longest playoff drought in the NFL, and it's just embarrassing. And I don't want to get depressed, so we're not going to talk about that anymore. So I think I think the Jets should frankly focus on offensive line and defensive line, like get strong in the middle there first, and then because as much as we want to hammer Zach Wilson for his play or lack thereof last year, he was kind of running for his life. Oh, 100%. Um, and it's pretty hard to be accurate and be productive at quarterback if you're sitting there running for uh, running for your life. So I think the wide receiver class this year is so deep, you don't have to think about it that early in the draft. I think there's quality dudes deep. And as we've seen before, you can get very good receivers deep in drafts, like very good receivers. Like Devontae Adams was, what, a fifth-round pick, right? Um, obviously, the GOAT, Jerry Rice, was not highly taken. Yeah. Um, so th- there's just a ton of – and before Antonio Brown got his head knocked off, he was pretty good, and he was a sixth-round pick. Um, so you can find guys that are very good late in drafts. Cooper Cup was not an early-round pick. I know Servo's been doing mock drafts, and from what I've been reading all over the interwebs, it it just seems like when it comes to skill position players, there aren't going to be a lot that go in the first round. No, I think this is a very good defensive first round. There are a few receivers that will go. A couple quarterbacks will go. Pickett will go. Willis will probably go as well. And then when it comes to tight ends, even someone like Trey McBride – I don't even know if he's going to make it into the first round unless there's some trades, someone trades up wanting him. I mean, you know, there's there's just these positions that I don't think people, like, you don't, unless there's a talent, like a ridiculous talent like Kyle Pitts or, you know, Evan Ingram when he was coming out or, hell, even Gronk before he was injured at Arizona, like, I don't think any of these guys really exist this year that make them a bona fide first-round pick. I just think defense is such a need for everybody right now, and it's so deep defensively that I think that's just going to be the flavor of the first round. There we go. And so we're going to get all of your coverage put together on FantasyAlarm.com. NFL Draft just one week away, and then the it begins. It's already technically begun for all of you that want to get into fantasy football early. but It really begins after the draft prep for the season. Also, football going on right now. The USFL, exciting our guy Ryan Hallam covering it here. And Ryan, you're laughing. And as we go to the family table here, what I'm bringing is a lot of good vibes to you, man, because you're keeping fantasy football more than just a fad with spring football coverage. You got some playbook action going on on DFSAlarm.com for the USFL. Working on it. Well, finishing it probably as soon as we're done here. Uh, Trying to get a little bit of flavor from what we saw week one and still holding on to some things I thought might happen that didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, it's still going to be somewhat of a a shot in the dark this weekend, but at least we have at least a week under our belts to look at. I'm going to get you a drone camera for your birthday. Please do with the silencer. Up. With the silencer, how yeah, the, the, the drone. <laughs> we every play. By <laughs> Sunday and Monday, it was a little much, but it was it was funny. It was like this guy you know, thinks there's just some spy on them and the punter, but it's just the drone flying around. It's got to be distracting, right? Like it, that seemed weird to me. 
Good camera angles, though, from the USFL games. I'm cool with that. The the play calling from the coaches, I could kind of, like, do without. I don't really care that much. I'd rather just hear their reactions after bad calls, and that's it. But, look, it's cool. I, I mean, I like it. I'm down for some more football, and that's why in DFSAlarm.com, you're going to get Ryan's playbook. So, with that, that's what I'm bringing to the table via Ryan Hallam. Ryan Hallam, what are you bringing to the table? Now, what if that's what I was going to bring to the table, and you just, just stole it on me? You can bring not, it to bring a not, big old help. Not, as always, I've got my uh, side games, and I'm going to do an early promotion because the summer is not far off. And my fantasy box office game, where we draft summer blockbusters to see who can get the ones with the highest opening weekend. Uh, so we're in groups, I think, of four. You pick four movies each, and you accumulate the the highest opening weekend, which is really one of my favorite of everything I do. I don't know why. I just think it's fun. I still love just tracking like what movies made and stuff. So uh, find me on Twitter at Fighting Chance. And I tweeted out last night, and I'm sure I will like once a week or so until we get closer to Memorial Day. So Top Gun coming out uh, Memorial Day weekend. And this is oh, another big one. damn. I forgot this, about that. Coming out Memorial Day weekend. Will it be on HBO Max, or am I actually going to have to leave my house and go to a theater? I think that's over now. I think it, it. I, I know the Batman just came to HBO Max, but it was in the theaters for what, like a month and right. a half or two months before. Yeah, it said exclusively I, in theaters for a while, and then it. Yeah, I think the whole pandemic thing of both is is pretty much getting phased out. Yeah, man. I, I did that that box office one last year. That was pretty fun. I started off well, and then the other three I picked sucked nuts when they opened because the trick was you couldn't figure out what was opening in the theaters and what was also opening on streaming services so like yeah it was tough last year i thought space jam was gonna make so much money and it didn't yeah i picked i couldn't i can't remember which one i picked that like dominated the like memorial day weekend or whatever and it quiet place two probably yes yeah took a quiet place two and then uh oh there was the the lin-manuel miranda musical Oh, yeah. In the Heights or whatever that I think I had. But the problem was, like, the other three movies that I picked also came out on streaming services, which completely tanked box office because <laughs> nobody's going to go pay $12 a ticket uh, when they can sit on their couch and make their own popcorn and whatever. But it was super fun. It it was super fun. We had debates in the draft as to what counted as opening um, before the summer because somebody tried to draft a superhero movie that was coming out, like, the very last weekend that was allowed or something and um, didn't realize that the opening weekend had been moved by a week, I think, or something. So it no longer counted, but that was a fun time. You can count me in on that cool. one there, Ryan. Uh, what I'm bringing to the table is don't mess with Mike Tyson. <laughs> I don't know if you, if anybody's seen this on Thursday on Twitter, but Mike Tyson is trending, which is always a fun time when Tyson is trending because it's either he punched somebody, bit somebody, or is talking about his pigeons. Um, <laughs> this time he punched a dude. Some guy decided it was going to be a great idea on a flight where there's no escape path to be super obnoxious behind Tyson, and Tyson responded the only way he apparently knows how, which is beating the bejesus out of the guy. Um, he's still conscious. He like his face got roughed up, right? A little worse than Zach Galifianakis for stealing his tiger. Um, but yeah, don't mess with with Tyson. Like as James Grande put it, he bit a guy's ear off. I don't care if he's ninety. I'm not messing with Tyson. So that's that's what I'm bringing to the table. Don't mess with 
Iron Mike, guy still got it. Um, and just don't, just in general, stop being obnoxious on airplanes. Yeah. Like, ain't nobody sign up for that. The guy who was like, shake my hand. I want to shake your hand. Yeah, including the, the <laughs> I don't know if you all saw that clip of, like, the religious group standing up and doing a full-on, I like, fire service on an airplane. Like, don't. Like, where was, where was, um, who is it, Belushi that walks up to the guy in Animal House and smashes his guitar? Yeah. Yeah. Where was that guy on that flight? Just walk up, take his guitar, and smash it. Like, so just generally be nicer to people on planes now that we're all like starting to fly again. And again, don't mess with Mike Tyson. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> I also saw online that he has a uh, weed company, and on it they sell gummy weed ears. Yes. So, for Evander Holyfield. So. They do sell edibles in the shape of ears for Mike Tyson's weed company, which I thought was genius. Oh. <laughs> Might as well cash in on it, right? Unbelievable. Yeah, um, right? It's it's just... I'm sure Holyfield's just looking for a cut of the profits, just like he's still looking for his ear. <laughs> what a world we live in, let me tell you. Got a lot going on, clearly, as we've discussed during Family Times. He's Matt Sells. Give him a follow on Twitter at the Sellsman. Also with us, Ryan Hallam. Give him a follow on Twitter at Fighting Chance. I'm Justin Fensterman at Fensty Sports. We'll continue covering all the sports because all together as a family, we'll always dominate because there isn't any other option. We will win.